Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. It's Fulhamish Extra, your second helping of FFC audio content. My name is Sammy James. Uh, my guest tonight, Frau Monk. Hello, chums. And Ben Jarman. Hello, listeners. We all good? All good. Yeah, very I'll good. I'll take Jack's intro because he's not here. Okay, nice. He, he'll hate you for that. Oh, he can hate me all he wants. At me, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be looking ahead to Fulham's trip to Wembley again as they fear our 100% record at the new stadium. Uh, we'll also be chatting to George Singer and Nick McNee uh, with a little bit of a stats chat about some of our new signings. So uh, let's look ahead to Saturday's game. Uh, a very, very difficult. Obviously, we'll be looking to try and bounce back from the disappointing 2-0 defeat against Palace on Saturday. It couldn't really get too much tougher though and uh, it's going to be very very difficult Ben uh, for Fulham to try and get kind of anything out of this game the only way that this game could have got any tougher is if it was Manchester City away from home mm-hmm. um, Spurs came out the blocks looking really really good despite the majority of their squad playing in the semi-final of the World Cup just a few weeks ago um, they played with some really good fluidity against Newcastle and made them look absolutely shambolic in parts but um, there are a couple of weaknesses in Spurs' defence um, I think they were hi- highlighted quite clearly a match of the day um, this weekend by Alan Shearer and I think if we have um, something about us we could we could go to Wembley and we could cause them some trouble uh, especially on a pitch that's that big we played there before we're used to it whereas a few teams that come to Wembley not aren't necessarily used to a pitch of that size in the stadium and uh, a crowd of that size as well. Um, will Harry Kane finally score in August and is it inevitable that it's going to be against us? Uh, well, that would be the F word and if, if that was going to happen. That's, yeah. That's full of mish, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, it's, I, I don't know why that people keep saying about this August thing yet. I mean, he's obviously a... Because a he scored sort. so many goals yeah. and he's not scored in one particular month. So yeah. I think it is just in a very easy headline. It is quite a bizarre one. He's just always started a little bit slow. Yeah. And also, usually, like, the season doesn't start this early because of um, now we have the winter break this year. Um, that it is starting a bit earlier. So there hasn't been... They usually only get like two games in August anyway. So, yeah. And I suppose Harry Kane's only been around for about three seasons. So, But yes, he'll score eight goals on, on Saturday. I feel like it's quite a good time, though, to be facing Spurs. Much has been made of players arriving back late from the World Cup. No uh, team in world football had more players in the semi-finals of the World Cup than Spurs, which is testament to the amount of quality that lies within their squad, and they make up a big chunk of the England team, which, of course, we all know mm-hmm. uh, how that ended for us. But they they might just... I would rather be facing them now than later in the season once they're fully back up and running. Yeah, for two reasons, as you say. Firstly, because of all the, the guys at the World Cup, and then secondly, because it then becomes a little bit more of a throwaway game. Um, we had a game against Palace, as we spoke about on Monday, is that a case of we wanted to get three points out of that. And if it had been someone like a City, perhaps it would have been a bit more of a throwaway game. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if we came away from this weekend, we'd still be set on zero points. And I think Jack feels the same way. And I don't know about you two guys as well, but I, I think we could come out of this with, a, again, making a good impression of ourselves, but perhaps not getting the result that we also desire. The one thing I would say about the benefit of playing uh, Spurs so early this uh, this season is that Fulham 
to them would be a bit of an unknown quantity. They would have heard of a lot of our players, but necessarily, and they would have heard of our style, but they wouldn't necessarily know, you know, how we're going to particularly set up, how players are going to particularly play. Is Shirley going to be on the right? Is Shirley going to be on the left? Where is Sessegnon going to play? All that, all these kind of little things that, you know, and I'm sure the backroom staff at Spurs have been researching for, for a number of uh, weeks now, but um, whether... You know they won't really know. They won't have three months of Premier League football um, to look back at. To look back at. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, thoughts on it being at Wembley? I must admit, when this draw came out, I remember thinking, "Oh my God, we've absolutely nailed it!" So excited. We're the football will be the first team to play at this brand new Spurs stadium, which, despite looking like a toilet seat, does look sick. Yeah. Like it actually looks incredible. And I really thought that it was going to be a great occasion for Fulham to be. Uh, the first team that plays there. Ultimately, uh, they've been given a special one-game dispensation to play at the new Wembley, which is just a bit of a double whammy. First of all, we don't get to play at the Spurs Stadium. And secondly, after playing at Wembley so recently, I, I, I just find it a bit sad that... I don't think that memory will be quashed at all of that day in May, but it, it does just just takes the shine off it slightly that we've got to go back there so soon. Yeah, it does take a little bit of an edge off it. I was really looking forward to getting to that new stadium. I suppose the only way we're going to really do it now is next season or if we draw them in the FA Cup or if any of our guys are NFL fans and we end up being there for the for the game later on. Yeah, TK, think... we're, we're more than available for an invite. Yeah, well, box please. <laughs> I, I certainly can see that, but, you know, it's, um, it's the supposedly the best league in the world and Fulham have earned their right to play in the best stadiums in the world and Wembley's one of them and at least it's not our first trip to Wembley no which is what I always was a bit worried about and had Fulham let's say qualified automatically um to come up to the Premier League sounds weird to say qualified could have been been qualified promoted and then we'd have got this trip to Wembley and we weren't there for a final as our first appearance then I would have been really really disappointed as it is it's just what it is yeah it was yeah it is what it is we've done it kind of the perfect way around and Let's extend that unbeaten run. Well, yeah, it's going to say 100% record. So uh, Spurs have got plenty to fear. Uh, we discussed a little bit on Monday about what lineup we'd like to see. Uh, what would be your predicted 11 for Saturday, Ben? Um, I'm going to go a little bit bold here because I think despite our um, chat about having Fabri in, I think ultimately he might end up being dropped by Slav. Um, I don't think Slav is... Um, adverse to making big decisions and I think this will be another one where he ultimately drops Fabry and uh, gives a debut to Sergio Rico um, I probably expect to see Christie st- stick at right back and I like that physicality he has um, wouldn't be surprised to see Chambers and Lamarche on remain yeah. um, and then Joe Bryan at left back he did come off injured on Saturday don't know mm. any of the latest on, on that injury I haven't seen anything according to Fantasy Premier League which is obviously the all-knowing eye he's got a 75% chance of playing because it's was, just a knock was that a pun on eye because well, then you've got to press that on the, yeah, on the little exactly. bottom corner there you go today <laughs> being Thursday I imagine we'll find out from Slav yeah. in his press conference as to mm. whether Joe Bryan's available if not it's, it's almost definitely going to mean Sessa left back did yeah. we find out what the uh, injury situation was to Tim Ream at all he's got a knock uh, Slav said he should be back in the squad if not playing okay. in this game Spurs uh, moving into the midfield, uh, did you agree with that uh, back five? Uh, yes, yes, I would actually. Even Sergio Rico as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, I, considering the caliber of of goalkeeper that we have at our disposal, I'd be very, very surprised if we don't give him a go between the sticks. Yeah, yeah, I think midfield. We'll probably stick with three. 
Um, Slav's way too stubborn to change anything, regardless of it was Spurs, City, PSG, Barcelona, whatever. Um, I think we'll probably see Kevin there still. Um, I'm not looking forward to see how he does on that huge pitch again, only two weeks into the season, considering he was absolutely blowing on Saturday. Um, and then I think we'll see a, a, a double in there of uh, Kenny and Seri. Um, Farrell, thoughts? Um, the only one that I think that... I, ca- I can't see him dropping Kenny or Seri, but... Um... The only the thought I did if there was going to be a change uh, on Saturday would be Kevin McDonald, who we would put there instead, up for debate. Um, you'd imagine it's too soon for Anguissa. Too soon, but you don't know how he's cha- training. You don't. Ibrahima, here we go again. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> my, my. I mean, you've got to say he's got. <laughs> here we go again. He hasn't had the first chance yet at all. Leeds United away. <laughs> Amazing first half. <laughs> yeah, did he hit the bar twice? Yeah, <laughs> memory serves. And then you would imagine SMS to continue in the front three. I thought that, especially yeah. in that opening half an hour, it looks so bright, that front three, especially the right-hand side with, with Scherler and Mitro yeah. just causing all sorts of problems. And on that big pitch, you know, Scherler was kind of galloping up the up the right-hand side, finding space. Um, had that end ball, had those crosses been a little bit more accurate, I think we could have potentially got that first goal uh, against Palace. So I think that would be my one, yeah. you know, tip for, for, for Andre, if I'm allowed to give someone of Andre Scherler's calibre tips um, would just be to, to work on your crossing. I think we, we overhit it quite a lot mm. on Saturday. Yeah, were... Christie was also guilty of that. Yeah, I would, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball and say that uh, if there was going to be a change up there at the top, I would, I would, say, can, I would say probably would be Sessegnon for perhaps Kamara Vieto on the right-hand side and moving Scherler to the left if there was an outside shout. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see him dropping Cess. Just he just doesn't do it. He d- I know exactly. That's the thing. He doesn't only, do it. The only but game he did those... last season was was Norwich away, and then he brought him on at half time. Just changed the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was in in similar circumstances. I mean, in that in that game, a target was, was brought off injured, and um, uh, we pushed Cess back, and Kamara came on, and we were all just flabbergasted with the the performance he pulled out of absolutely nowhere. So, and you know, Kamara played very well at. Wembley in May, um, it could be it could be an outside shout. He might actually move Sess into left back if Brian's injured. Mm. Uh, what's the key to trying to stop Spurs? In your opinion, there's there's a wealth of talent uh, throughout the pitch. Kane is clearly you know very very dangerous. You can't give him an inch. You know he loves an early strike on goal to kind of catch out the keeper, and that that's how he gets most of his uh, most of his tally. Yep. Uh, and Deli Ali on his day can can be absolutely lethal uh, as well. So so what's uh, what their what their main strengths in your opinion that we should be worried about? Um, for me, it's a case of if you get on top of Kane quite early in the fact that you have to make him aware of your presence um, and make him know that you're up for a game, but. At the same time, Kane's physical presence in himself is quite massive and he can quite easily spin a centre-back. The The thing you have to watch about Kane is if you go tight to him, he can easily offload a ball to one of the runners that they get from their midfield and almost certainly Deli Ali's going to be trying that and he tried it to good effect against Newcastle with a wonderful headed goal. Um, a lot of people forget of the quality of Christian Eriksen and how and how good that, that guy is. He's absolutely world-class and... He's one of, if not the best, number tens in in the league. Um, and his the the fact that Pochettino's pushed him even further up the pitch this season is a is a testament to the creativity it gives this Spurs team. Um, luckily for us, um, there's a couple of wide players that probably aren't going to be ready. And the fact that Lucas Mora, I don't think he's going to be ready just yet. 
Um, and uh, Hyungmin Son has gone off to play in the Asia Games for South Korea, so he'll be missing now for another couple of weeks. And actually, he is one of my favourite players yeah, in, mine in the Premier mm-hmm. League, and uh, I think that will be a big boost for us uh, that he's not playing. Doesn't he have to win the Asia Games in order to avoid national service? Something along those lines, yeah. It's an interesting... Uh... And, and if, he, if he doesn't win those Asia Games, he has to go over and do two years' service with one of the... Um, teams in the k-league but there's only one of the one of the teams that you can do national service in the k-league is there but all the rest of them are in the second division of the k-league so essentially he'll be playing like maybe like conference north football for two years ridiculous i know but anyway uh let's speak to flav bateman from the fighting cock uh it's a great podcast if you know any spurs fans um that are looking for a bit of a uh, Spurs podcast fix. Uh, he also works uh, for Ball Street. You might know him from that. Uh, I asked him whether he thought Spurs can build on their opening day win at Newcastle on Saturday. We, we weren't incredible against Newcastle, as you said. You know, we're open at times. Aurier on the right is someone that you could get at. Um, he's excellent on the ball. Um, he's got great delivery on him. You know, he's a, very good going forward. But positionally he's all over the place and um i think you know a system that free at the back as in him as a wing back would be much much better because there's less responsibility there's more coverage from the right center back but for whatever reason Pochettino does not want to play uh, a free at the back and will won't pay out of Erard. and you could argue that you know by playing free at the back it's overly defensive you know it's mm-hmm. we don't need to against teams like newcastle and you know with respect uh, Fulham, you know, you, you need to be, if, you, if you've got any chance of winning the league or finishing the top four, you've got to be attacking teams um, that potentially would look to frustrate us. So I can understand where the, the four at the back is a, is a priority, but probably not with Aurier in the side. He's too much reliability defensively. Um, so that said, you know, we, we were leggy. There was World Cup hangover you know there's it was inevitably going to happen we don't have the squad to not play these players so they haven't got time to get match fit they've got to get fit on you know by by playing the part and playing football games so i think we'll be fitter than we were last week uh, i think there will still be elements of rust i think that um fulham can come up and, and 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 create problems for us i think your bigger issue is is knowing what your best team is and how that all works as um uh, you know, as a unit and, that, and how they come out and, and deal with Tottenham. Um, I think it's going to be a while to, to understand what your best team is and, and what it is you've bought. Like, it's really exciting bringing in all these players. It's much more exciting than bringing in no one. I guarantee that. But it, I've, I've seen from experience with um, when we, we bought seven, seven players after Bow left that it, it, takes a, it takes a good few months to really understand what you've got. Um, if I was uh, the Fulham manager, I'd be looking at the the main group of players that got us up and then maybe bring in one or two signings because the chemistry is so important. Fulham isn't going to be your only game uh, at Wembley this season. Looks like you're going to be fe- uh, playing your next two at the National Stadium, maybe even further beyond. And you've yeah. got this Man City game where no one knows where it's going to be played. It all seems like a little bit of a farce. I'm sure it'll be worth the wait, but it's it must be pretty annoying at the moment. Yeah, it is annoying. It's, it's hard to... I mean... On one level, it's annoying. On another level, you think it's a massive, massive undertaking to build a stadium that size in, in, in a year. You know, you look at Arsenal, it took them four years from, from from purchasing the land, two years from breaking ground to get that stadium built. Wembley took forever. So, you know, I think it was optimistic. I think in hindsight, Spurs should have probably said, 
you know, it's going to take two years to build. We heard these rumors for, 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 for you know, a, a year ago that it wouldn't be finished on time. From the club, it was like, yeah, it's ready. You know, you, you talk to people who worked at the stadium and they said there's no chance it's going to be ready. And, you know, you don't know what to believe. And the fact is we're in a situation where the club has sold season tickets to, to, to people that, that, you know, have bought them in good faith. And now it seems at least a, a part of the, the season will be played away from White Hart Lane, obviously. Um, and we don't really have any faith in what they're saying currently. They, you know, it could be that we might not get in there till January. We just don't know. Um, what kind of style, what kind of tactics did best against Spurs last season? I mean, you were flying in the in the second half of the year, but what what approach w- was kind of the best in order to try and stifle Spurs? What should maybe Fulham try to emulate on Saturday if we're to have a chance of of getting anything out of this match? Uh, you you need to sit back, uh, soak up pressure, have two banks of four, or a bank of four and a bank of five, or even three centre backs. With two two fullbacks to to just soak up soak up the pressure when you're not on the ball and then break quickly. It's the way that we were undone in in, in certain games. Certainly, if you've got quick forwards or quick wingers, that's the way to get at Tottenham. Probably the best team to do it against us last year was Crystal Palace when we played at Wembley. Excellently, they're excellent defensively, very disciplined, um, and then they just use Zaha Townsend um, to break. And um, it, they got us over and over again. And like I say, we love to overcommit our fullbacks, even when we're playing four at the back. You have to. You don't have a choice. When, when, when a team's sitting back, you've got to find a way through it. Yeah. Which is an excellent way to, 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 to pull teams out of their shape and create space in, in, in between the defence and midfield. And if we can create that space with Deadly, especially with Ericsson and, and Deli Ali, he, he floats, the, both of those players float around, very difficult to mark, constantly moving, Ericsson especially. Um, but yeah, I think that would be your best bet is to sit back and and, um, and and hit us on the counter. If you do come out and play, it's going to be a very interesting game because Wembley is gigantic. The pitch is huge and there'll be huge amounts of space to exploit. Um, for, for the quality of the game, it would be excellent if, if Fulham do come out and play. But I understand you have to be pragmatic in these games. Spurs at home over the last three or four years have been excellent. So you've got to pick and choose when when to attack. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating because really for Slavisa and Fulham, you know, is he going to be pragmatic? He's quite uh, a steadfast manager. He doesn't change his principles too much, but we're coming up against a serious quality team here away from home. So it's going to be very interesting from our point of view to see how Slav approaches it, whether he's going to be uh, very dogmatic and stay in the way that he wants to play or whether he's actually going to try and open it up. Uh, you mentioned Wembley and, and we spoke about it at the start as well. What kind of atmosphere can, can Fulham fans expect? Obviously, the last time we went to Wembley, uh, it was an absolutely glorious day, but I think it's going to be a slightly different experience from the one that we experienced back in May. Uh, expect an insipid, quiet, empty stadium. I can be honest. Uh, okay. No one wants to go back there again. No one. Yeah, I'm sorry to put a downer on this. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll tell the truth. But I can't tell you the mood around Spurs fans at the moment is pretty, pretty low. Um, no one wants to go back to that stadium again. I don't even want to go back to an FA Cup final. I hate it that much. Oh, it's wow. not our stadium. It never was. I understand the reasoning why we had to be there, but the fact we have to go back, maybe not once, twice, three times, maybe five or six times again this season means that we're not, we're not in the best of moods. And you know, we've sold 25,000 tickets. It's it's going to be pretty empty. Fulham could use that to our advantage. You can get a few people down there, get singing, 
get behind your boys, um, that's going to be a big advantage for you because there's no doubt that some of this energy is probably going to seep onto the pitch. I hope that Pochettino and, and his team professional enough to kind of put that to one side, but it must be difficult because yeah. you just don't know what's going on at the moment. And, and new ticket sales were were reasonably low. I didn't realise they were they were that low. That I mean that's well that's that's what I heard. That was the rumour that it was it was twenty five thousand. So the, the the thing is, mate, everyone bought a season ticket. Um, you know, we were sold out pretty much apart from the extortionately priced corporate tickets, the ironically titled eighteen eighty two tickets. Um, your the you know the the standard tickets were bought. They were sold, and um, you know there was forty odd thousand. And because we're not playing at Wild Lane, the club did the right thing and refunded the tickets. But then, you know, you had, they put on sale the the Fulham, Fulham tickets again, and you had to rebuy them. So one that gives per, uh, someone who might not want might what might not want to have gone, but would have gone because he has a season ticket and he's paid for it, the option not to go. Two, the prices are the same as the season ticket prices, so you know they're they're still expensive. Um, and three, really, what the club should have done is give it to uh, you know. Whoever had a season ticket, you know, they could have gone and, and not had to pay, I think. But, you know, you've got 90,000 seats there. They could have done a good wheel gesture, but they chose not to as ever with Spurs. So, yeah, there's uh, there'll be a lot of empty seats. And, uh, you know, a couple of goals early on might lift the crowd. That's what we need, really. We need a lift. We need to forget about all of the nonsense that's been going on and all of the frustrations that Spurs fans are currently feeling and just watch our team play football again. That would be great. Now, obviously, I introduced you as the man of the fighting cock, and that is your main kind of Spurs aside, but you also do some work for Ball Street. And uh, the other week, uh, myself and you uh, did a little video about some of Fulham signings, and uh, the, the video was, was titled, Can Fulham Make It Into Europe? I think the answer, especially after Saturday, is probably not. But we spoke a lot about some of our new signings and our you know, impact that we've had this summer and spending over a hundred million in the end. So what, what, who are you, who are you excited to see on Saturday from a, from a Fulham perspective and a bit more of a neutral perspective? I think from obviously Ryan Sasson Young, yeah. uh, we were linked with him heavily for, for a long, long time. Um, I still would love to, 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 to see him in a Spurs shirt, but I, I think most of all, you know, the football fan in me wants to see this young kid that people have been talking about. who has been tearing up the, uh, the championship so readily and seemingly so easily um, to, to, to for him to have the opportunity to cut it on on the big big stage in the Premier League with all the cameras and you know the world's um, uh, the football fans all around the world watching him you know it's going to be a great uh, opportunity I, I just you know mostly and I and I watched I watched Fulham's playoffs and I watched the um, the final I, I just love the way you guys play football you know he he comes out and and there's there's seemingly no fear. There's a fluidity. There's a there's a um, it's just an exciting way to, to for a team to play. And it isn't always the case where a team comes up to the to the Premier League and and is able to play the same kind of football. Okay, Flav. Finally, what's your score prediction for Saturday? Bit of negativity around Spurs at the moment, but I, I imagine you'll be confident still of of making it two wins from two. Yeah, yeah, I, I am confident. I'm always confident under Pochettino, and um, I, I kind of can, can see two one, three one, maybe. Hopefully, it'll be a bit more comfortable than it was against Newcastle. But uh, yeah, I'm always confident under Pochettino. We we, we become a different beast, and um, it'll be interesting to see what Fulham can do against the likes of Eriksson, Ali Kane, and um, you know Lucas Moura if he plays. 
Well, I hope it goes slightly better than our FA Cup meeting uh, a couple of seasons ago because we got taught a little bit of a lesson uh, that day. I remember Kieran Trippier being absolutely astounding uh, up the right-hand side. So uh, hopefully Fulham can uh, cope with the threat slightly better. I think we've grown as a team uh, since that season as well. So I imagine it's going to be a little bit closer if ultimately it's going to be a long ask for us to get anything away uh, from Wembley Stadium. Flav, thank you so much for chatting to Fulhamish. Pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. Absolute pleasure. See you later. Cheers, mate. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love Tim Ream and Matt Target. I'm sorry. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. And it's Sammy James here with Ben Jarman. Uh, and right now we're chatting to George Singer and Nick McNee. You might know them from some of their articles on the Fulhamish website. Uh, and excitingly this season, Ben is going to be hosting the Stats Show with them, which is going to be uh, on the YouTube channel and on the podcast feed as well. Uh, just taking a slightly more statistical-based look uh, at Fulham's games, Fulham's players and everything to do with that. So uh, let's bring in George and Nick, who are on the line right now. George, Nick, how you doing, guys? I'm good, thank you. Hey, Sammy. Hey, Ben. How you doing? So uh, this is pretty exciting. You guys are going to be doing uh, some more stat stuff for us rather than writing it down though you're going to be kind of live and direct uh in the flesh um ben are you looking forward to uh to getting this underway in the international break yeah i'm massively looking forward to getting both these guys in to come and basically give us a, another look into the way fulham are playing and looking at it from a, a whole different angle and george and nick are both incredibly gifted at um translating what they see on the pitch into, into statistics and then um, going the other way and getting stats into uh, a relevant point um, that can be made in relation to how Fulham are playing on the pitch as well. I think if you if you read their articles, they're incredibly eloquent. Um, they know a hell of a lot about football um, in in all shapes of of the game. And I'm really excited to be uh, hosting the stat show with them going forward from uh, sort of like a monthly basis, starting from the international break. I think the idea for all three of us is that we'll probably. Um, look to dispel some rumours um, that we have about certain players who are playing well or, or are playing well and vice versa. Um, and just looking at Fulham into, into another level. And I think we're going to start today with a short introduction to the guys and what they thought of the new signings. Yeah, guys, um, George, start with you. Uh, what was your opinion on, on some of the new signings and what you think that they can bring to the team? So really excited with some of the guys we've got coming in. Um, obviously, loads loads of signings to talk about. Um, I think there's a few in particular that, uh, that are really interesting. Obviously, we've spoken a fair bit about Seri before. Um, but one of the main guys on my mind who I'm really looking forward to seeing is Anguissa. Mm. Um, I guess we we always talk about the uh, the Fulhamish model, you know, both uh, both boxes ticked in terms of data and uh, and scouting. But Anguissa is is one of those who you know really really definitely ticks the uh, a lot of the data boxes um, from a kind of a defensive output point of view. His his numbers are are off the chart. He looks like an absolute monster. He Gets through loads of tackles, loads of interceptions, um, and I think he's going to be a you know a really a real handful for oppositions. And you know as we as we uh, play against a higher calibre of opposition, you know for instance thinking about Spurs at the weekend, whether Anguissa will be ready to ready to play is another question. But when we start to play against midfielders of kind of Ali and Eriksson and Son's quality, I think having that uh, you know the extra defensive output in, in midfield is going to be really exciting. So. 
uh, yeah, definitely he's he's one that I'm looking forward to seeing at the cottage in the coming weeks. I think there's a couple of people here that may not have seen Anguissa play for Marseille, so it'd be good to have uh, a, like a little bit of a statistical understanding of what he what he done last season. I I know that I've seen a couple of tweets out there that are sort of lamenting his output in terms of goals and assists. Um, but but what does he do in other areas of the pitch? Um, for Marseille and, and why would he benefit us going forward? Yeah, I guess at the at the far end of the pitch, kind of when it comes to goals and assists, that's that's not really what he's there to do. He's he's definitely more of a CDM. Um, his role is to basically be a you know really energetic force in midfield, uh, get stuck in a lot. Uh, and uh, and particular one uh, one stat that I think is really interesting is uh, pressure regains. So it's uh, it's essentially a stat of. Uh, you know, when you when you pressure a player, so you don't necessarily tackle or intercept, but, you know, win the ball back through pressure. Yeah. And he's, again, off the charts with that piece. So uh, I think, you know, when it comes to screening our defence uh, and giving, you know, Seri and, and Kenny a bit more freedom to play the attacking role, I think that's one thing he's really going to bring to the team. Uh, as well as that, I think one, one thing he does really well for a CDM is kind of his ability on the ball, so his ability to dribble past players. Um, so uh, if you look through his uh, if you look through his highlights, he's really good at winning the ball, jinking past a couple of players, create some space, and passing it over to a guy who's perhaps more creative. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's one area that he's you know hopefully going to free the shackles a bit for uh, for Kearney and and Seri against some of the uh, the stronger midfielders in the league. Nick, uh, which players have caught your eye in particular? Uh, a just from a kind of signings point of view, but also maybe. Uh, looking at some of the statistical models. Just to agree with um, with George about Anguissa, I'm really actually quite excited to see him because he re- reminds me of basically a more mobile Kevin McDonald. Um, he averaged uh, over six defensive actions, which is tackles and interception per 90, which is just an astounding rate. Um, and he's been playing alongside uh, Luis Gustavo of um, former Bayern Munich fame, who's been playing in Champions League and stuff. So he's been very well drilled into um, the CDM kind of role. And he's going to have um, the pressure taken off um, Seri and Kearney to um, track back, kind of, because he can mark uh, the midfielders, like um, like George was saying about Ericsson and Ali. Um, in terms of other signings, I think Sergio Rico is someone who's caught my eye because um, he was actually a really high-profile goalkeeper back in 2016-17, um, and um, he got called up to the Spanish uh, international team. Uh, he had a 71% save percentage in um, in that season. Uh, which comparing to um, championship goalkeepers last year, only Wolves, Middlesbrough and Aston Villa um, had a goalkeeper that uh, projected higher in save percentage than that. But last year, we had um, quite a lot of high profile mistakes. It dropped down to about 53 and a half, which is, well, which is really poor. So um, hopefully he can turn it around. But um, if if he does turn around, I think Fulham have got a goalkeeper who's extremely competent in um, shot stopping and, Given that in the Premier League now we're going against a lot, you know, higher tier opposition, shot stopping is going to be extremely vital to us, um, as we saw on um, Saturday against Palace. And uh, I think we had uh, had to face uh, ten shots on target, I believe, which is which is a number that needs to come down. But um, if it doesn't, we need a very good goalkeeper at the back. So I think uh, one of the hot topics around Fulham at the moment is the performance of Fabry and also what he's done previous in his career. Obviously. We tried to put up a little bit of a fight for him uh, and his career on Monday's pod. And it would just be good to understand his career statistics for uh, when he used to play for Besiktas over the past uh, three or four seasons. Obviously, he made over 130 appearances there, some of them which have come in the Champions League. And obviously, he's won two back-to-back titles. So it'd be nice to know a little bit more about his 
statistical performance over those three or four seasons. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing behind a very, um, very good um, back line in Besiktas with um, uh, in January, Domagoj Vida joined, who just had an excellent World Cup. And it's kind of hard to quantify the Turkish lead because, well, outside of the big four, you know, Besiktas, Fenerbahce, um, I think it's Basaksa here, I can't pr exactly pronounce that, Ashik and obviously um, Galatasaray. Um, the, the quality of the uh, the league isn't exactly um, what I would call uh, Premier League quality, but um, I think he's been recruited, obviously, for um, for his ability to play out from the back, and I, I think he actually showed that quite well. But um, he only had about a 60% um, passing percentage in at Besiktas, which is about which is really about what Marcus Bettinelli had um, last year as well. So I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see because. Um, Quantifying goalkeepers, like from a numbers um, perspective, and recruiting them, it's it's quite tough. It's it's not like um, recruiting for centre mids and strikers, um, which are much more easier to you can identify styles of play. I mean, we saw it with um, Manchester City almost. You know, they had the whole Claudio, Claudio Bravo fiasco, and then eventually they just forked out forty million for Edison and just you know <laughs> paid it paid at the time. I think not at the time a record fee, but a very high fee for a goalkeeper. So. Goalkeeper recruitment is hard, and we saw that on um, Saturday. Um, I, so I don't think the uh, first and first goal was particularly his fault, but I think criticism for the second goal is certainly valid. Moving away from goalkeeper, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on a, a couple of our uh, attacking signings just before we finish. And the one that I'm mostly interested in is Vieto. We kind of saw a glimpse of him on Saturday. Had had some neat touches, but kind of was brought on too late in the game for me to make a real impact on the match. Uh, he has a lots of suitors, though, lots of admirers. Uh, what, what was your thoughts when we signed him? Personally, I, well, I, I'm actually quite excited because he's been a very creative player, but he's just never really had the game time to assert that he'd a torrid spell um, in the past couple of years. Obviously, he followed um, uh, the manager of Atletico Madrid, uh, Simeone, to Atletico from, uh, was it Betis or Legan, one of those two? Villarreal. Um, Villarreal. Um, uh, but he was a lot better at Villarreal in 14-15, um, but that was years ago when he was an extremely high-quality prospect. Um, since then, he's only played about just under 3,000 minutes and about three, three seasons worth, which is barely anything. So this is really like a career resurrection move probably for him. And um, it was good to hear that the Spanish papers were saying um, that we have an option to buy him. So if it does work out and he works out as like a, a number 10 playing behind Mitrovic or uh, playing alongside Mitro as a striker, then we've got an option to purchase someone of, of such high quality. Um, his expected assists, which is basically key passes, so key passes are passes that lead to a shot, um, for about, it's about 0.25 and uh, league average for a player is about 0.1. Obviously, there's a lot of players who play in the Spanish league, especially strikers, but I think he's someone who can get his head up um, and pick out a pass. I mean, we saw that on the game, um, that camera highlight where he uh, passed the deep, crossed the deep ball out to uh, camera, and then camera had probably had an opportunity to lay off to Mitrovic, who was screaming for it, but AK, you know, has tunnel vision and whatnot. But um, <laughs> no, I, I certainly think he's got the... Um, an eye for creativity like that. A lot of a lot of questions will come because he is a striker of his uh, finishing. 
Cool. And then uh, I think just finally, George, if we could get your thoughts on uh, World Cup winning Andre Scherler, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a really exciting signing. Um, obviously, he's had a, a tough couple of years over at Dortmund. Um, you know, some some real kind of high quality players that he's uh, that he's trying to get a position of, for instance, you know, Dembele and Royce. So uh, I think he was always, always going to find it difficult to break into the team. Um, but I, I think he offers uh, an awful lot. Um, normally played most of his career out on the left wing, uh, which which raises a, an interesting question of, you know, do you, do you play him there over Cesc? Um, it looked in the first game that uh, that Slav's happy to kind of rotate them around a bit and, you know, look at use both of them as options. Um, I think in particular, one one of the things he, he really likes to do is, is cut inside and shoot in his right foot. So uh, I think it could be really exciting, you know, playing maybe an inverted wing, uh, uh, you know, tactic going forward. So Schurler on the left cutting in, Sess on the right cutting in and, you know, getting those bombing fullbacks overlapping on either side. So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think Schurler is going to be a really interesting one. I think it will be interesting to see where on the pitch he plays most. Uh, if he plays on the left, I can see him occupying kind of a similar inside forward kind of role. Yeah. Uh, and maybe on the right, he might be more of a kind of head down dribbling and and putting crosses in the box. So I think he he kind of offers offers a lot more in attack and gives us, you know, a, a new set of options, which we're, which we're definitely going to need in the league. Well, look, this has been a, a little bit of a trial run uh, of what's to come, a taster, uh, if you will, of the stat show that's going to be dropping at various points through the season. Um, all three of you clearly know uh, your stuff to, to levels that I could potentially only dream of. Uh, so I quite enjoy uh, just sitting back and listening to the, the analysis that you guys provide. And I'm sure that the stat show uh, is going to allow others to do the same this season. So, uh, um, George, thank you very much for coming on. Cheers, Sammy. Cheers, guys. Uh, Nick, thank you very much as well. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, It's going to be absolutely brilliant. And uh, Ben, looking forward to it. Massively so. Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon, and when I'm not winding up Reading fans, I'm listening to Fulhamish Podcast. Okay, well, that is it, really, from Fulhamish Extra today. Thank you to George and to Nick for chatting to us there, giving us a bit of a stats lowdown on some of our new signings. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they get on at Wembley on Saturday. For a few of those new boys, it's going to be something pretty special, their second game in the Premier League, not only just facing a team of the calibre of Spurs, but also you know going to Wembley so soon into their careers especially for someone like Joe Bryan this is he must have been he must be pinching himself at how kind of meteoric his rise has been in just the space of a few weeks yeah completely you know going from places like Deepdale to then going up to to Wembley Mm. and the Pirelli Stadium to Wembley is 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 pretty astronomical I, I imagine that he will deal with the situation in a way that any professional footballer would but incredible rise from him and escaping the clutches of Steve Bruce pursuing him in like a voxel courser or something like that, along those lines. Um, what do you expect the atmosphere to be like on Saturday for hours? 3,000 Fulham fans going. It's been sold out for a number of weeks. I've seen some adverts for tickets available in the home end on the tube mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. So you'd, I doubt it's going to be a sellout Wembley, even if Spurs were allowed to sell it out. I don't think they uh, they would have. Uh, so do you think it's going to be a bit of a strange atmosphere in there comparing to what it was like in May? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be a, it's certainly going to be a different sort of atmosphere. I reckon a bit more of a relaxed atmosphere. We're going there with absolutely no pressure at all. There was obviously a huge amount of pressure going into the game in May, but this is going to be, feel like I don't know, like 
I don't know how to really describe it. It's just, Anything's a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You'd like think, us not to get spanked, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think if we go, walk away with them... Um, <laughs> Speak for myself. But. <laughs> <laughs> if you're offering. Um, <laughs> um, wait till Saturday. Um, Jeez. <laughs> do you want to end the show now? Yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Okay, well, thank you for listening to Fulhamish Extra. Uh, it's ended in slight hysteria there. Uh, make sure you check out the Fulhamish YouTube channel over the weekend. You can see my chat uh, with Flav Bateman, which should be going up shortly. Uh, and also Dave Preston is going to be on the road uh, for Fulhamish, uh, giving you a bit of a match day experience. Uh, he's going all the way to northwest London. Massive trek. Exactly. But uh, Dave Preston loves it and he, he's very good. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel for all that. And uh, check out George Singer's Before the Whistle article, uh, which should be going out in the next few hours, uh, looking ahead to the Spurs game from a statistical point of view. You just heard George uh, a few minutes ago. You know he knows his stuff. So it's Ben Jarman. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. Brown Monk, thank you. Obrigado, Sambo. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, and we will see you for the Fulhamish proper on Monday. Take it easy. Bye-bye.